We're on. We're on. <laughs> We're off to the race. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 12 of that record. Got me high. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. <laughs> And this week we're discussing uh, the first major label release by those weirdos from <laughs> Southern California, uh, Camper Van Beethoven. Camper Van Beethoven. Who still play, who still go out and uh, uh, make the rounds. I thought so, I saw that, but is who's who's involved? I believe it's the, the original band. Really? Yeah. Are, oh, well, good for them. Yeah. And, they, uh, were, uh, they were just a really great band that, yes. and uh, really great. I think they've had their equipment stolen twice. I, I remember a few years ago, first their equipment got stolen, and everybody was like, damn. And then a few, like not too much longer afterwards, it seems like that's a common trope in touring bands. Yes, all yes. All of our shit got all stolen. All our shit got stolen. Yes, uh, GoFundMe. We have remember a GoFundMe. When all Sonic Youth's original guitars got stolen? Yes, I do remember that. And so somewhere, some Japanese collectors got all of, uh, <laughs> guitars. guitars and Lee's guitars and all that shit. <laughs> Probably uh, he plays them in his bedroom. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> I believe so. Were you a Camper Van Beethoven? I was, and we're, I don't think I said the name of the record. The record, it's, the, it's uh, our beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart. Yes, it was their 1988 uh, major label debut. That's right. Which that seems to be a theme for us. We've done a lot of We've bands. Done first, the first uh, indie bands major label debut. Right. Record. If you consider Blast first, I mean, Daydream Nation was on Blast first. That was supposed to be like a big. Right, independent label, and right. it's something. It just then they were on Virgin after that, right? But the Who's Could Do definitely, yeah, um, oh yeah. And was it Pavement also? Was that their major label debut? No, it's their no, second. Right. They were major. Ah, oh, they, they were. They ah, never did. That's right. They they that's right. That's right. Those kooky. Uh, speaking of kooky California kids, that's right. Another kooky sort. That's California true. Yeah, that is true. Another quirky California band. You, I feel like you gravitate towards that, which is ironic because you're an East Coast boy, a, a Florida East boy. Yeah, yeah. But you gravitate. I think. I think it's the exoticness of the Southern be. California locale. It that. could be, or the exoticness <laughs> of the. I mean, the people that are doing it. You know, there's a certain. Wackiness and uh, a weirdness to their outlook. That uh, yes, oh, absolutely, and but also another thing with this band that I didn't realize. Uh, I, I had heard a lot of their songs and I knew them, but I had no idea how musically great this band yeah, was. Like yeah, musically, and yeah. and I noticed. I feel like um, their music they influence. There's they're probably an influential band because I hear later bands. Uh, I hear a lot of. Wilco, well, first of all, yeah, I can sure. hear Wilco in this. Yeah. I hear uh, a Vampire Weekend yeah. that type band. Yeah. A new they were kind of a model. They were kind of a model. And uh, this is another one of those bands that I have to credit to my uh, uh, old, good old friend, Billy Taylor. I remember him bringing this record home for the record store or talking about this because of the name Camper Van Beethoven. But, but this particular record? The, uh, the first album. Oh, the first so one. So he okay. was like, you know, he was the early adopter guy. And the first one, was that the one that had Take the Skinheads Bowling? I believe so, yeah. Okay, yes, because I do remember that. They were, this, they were a big college radio band. They were, So yeah. I do remember hearing that on uh, college radio. And, and once again, another band that sort of got lumped in with the punks but they were never. Yeah, they even uh, sort of. You know, he uh, even says. Band. You know, he was. David Lowry talked about that in an interview. He said, "You know, I, I really didn't um, gravitate towards that music 
as much as I think there's, you know, there's a lot of classic rock influence on Camper, and obviously some folk influences. Right, right. And, uh, oh, they know. got all they got all kinds of influences because they, they got do. so much going on. Although the secret, I will tell you, I think the, the all the Middle Eastern stuff. They claim that none of that they, they didn't like study. They just kind of they just kind of winged it and made it up. And it sounds very authentically Middle, Middle Eastern, right? But they would they just kind of were like they would just come up with this stuff. At least that's what they say. Right. There wasn't this like they were not like you know Middle Eastern music scholars. Well, the one guy in the band, Jonathan Siegel, was yeah. the multi instrumentalist. Right. So he plays uh, violin, violin, mandolin, mandolin keyboards, keyboard. guitar. Right, but the violin is a lot. It's it's over a lot of their stuff. The violin, and it definitely was always something that sets them apart. Totally. And me and Barry know someone. Lately, we've been we've been playing music together. We've been doing stuff with Bill Assange, and we play with an excellent violin. Robin Roslin. Robin Roslin, and a lot of this reminds me of Robin, just like uh, very musical, but but not uh, not cliche or anything. And speaking of influences, I also I'm wondering because I hear you know who else I hear a lot of in this? I hear a lot of Barry Stock. And I'm wondering if you Maybe. if you feel like you're influenced. Because yeah, there's sure. some slide playing this yeah, sure. and I'm saying you know, I that could be Barry playing back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And I probably um, you know the the record that I um, the one that I, my go to record for camper is um, is Key Lime Pie. And Key Lime Pie. That was the one after, after this, this. One. right? And this is the one where Jonathan had quit the band, and they had a, a different violinist play on the album. Oh, okay. I Apparently, didn't realize that. it was constructed. The backing tracks were done, and then David and uh, uh, um, um, Greg uh, went went and did all the, the guitar and overdubbed the guitars, and even the producer it was the same producer from this record. They did that record, so it was put together in a very odd way. But it, it sounds like it could have been a train wreck, but it but it wasn't. Right? Even yeah. Jonathan, the, the the violinist, said, you know, we went we went and toured later on. We got back together, and I had to learn that record. And it, ironically, it was the best record we ever put out. <laughs> really, he, he said that that he didn't. Play yeah, on. he didn't. And that he didn't play on that. That it, had their cover of uh, pictures of. Uh, that's on that. Was, on a, it? was yeah. a single. Yeah. Okay, this, that. This, well, the song that's on Key Lime Pie. That's the, the the my favorite camper song of all time is Jack Ruby. Oh yeah, about, right, right. Yeah, it's yeah. about this. It's the story of you know. And what that's funny. There's a there's now this tie into this record. You've got uh, uh, Outlaws. You know, you got Jack Ruby, and on this record we also have uh, um, uh, Patty Hearst. Patty Hearst. <laughs> that's right. She is the beloved revolutionary sweetheart. Of the uh, title of the album. Okay, I did not get that. I got that while I was. Now. You know what? Even though that lyric is in the song, I until this afternoon I started. You going, didn't tie it, put it all together. I was cooking dinner and I was like, "Oh my god, is this that's Patty Hearst?" Isn't that great how that happens? It is, and I went and looked up Patty Hearst, and so when we get to that song, we'll talk about it. Yes. Um, but it was, uh, and also I want to mention before we dive into the record, uh, another really distinctive thing about them, and also the later band that he was in, Cracker. Cracker, yeah. David Lowry is his voice itself because totally. he's got that raspy, sandpaper voice. Yep. And he's got the voice that he sings in a low register. He's just got a nice rasp. But when he pushes it, yeah. then it sounds like someone that totally blew his voice out. That lost yeah, his voice. Right. He's great. But it's great because it's not something you could fake. It sounds like someone who smoked a, a million cigarettes. Or something. <laughs> smoked a million something. Uh, but, it, <laughs> but it really is uh, 
distinctive to him and he actually makes it work uh great because it uh, again it makes them sound like not you know they're very distinctive you could tell it's uh you could tell well, it's him he singing. has moved on to uh he just got his doctorate david lowry did and he is teaches at the university of georgia uh school of music business and oh really so, yeah i know a couple of people that work with uh work there and uh, his his office is uh Adjoins there, so okay. Look yeah, at that crazy stuff, huh? A now doctor, and and Dr. I didn't. David now I didn't check uh, actually songwriting, but does he is he credited with the lyrics? Oddly or? enough, I did not check the songwriting on this <laughs> we one neither either. Of us did that. Let me, uh, you know what? <laughs> well, usually you see it at some point. You see written you by, do. but I don't remember, I don't remember seeing that. Um, seeing All right, that, well, so I'm gonna, I'm well, Barry, Barry's going to look that up, and I am going to mention uh, it was the first camper van. Beethoven album to not feature the founding member, one of the founding members, founding guitarist, drummer, multi-instrumentalist, instrumentalist, Chris Mola. Mola. Okay. But did, did he come back to the band later on or was he just, uh, was that the end? Was that it for him? Chris I don't Mola. know. <laughs> I'm asking I'm you. I'm sorry. Talented. That's okay. You don't, have to know. you don't have to know everything. Okay. Then. So this is. And this seems right. This is one of those bands where everybody gets credit. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. And we always, me and Barry always end up discussing that. That's why, shame on both of us for not checking before. <laughs> yeah, and, well, uh, we didn't. But, and, every, uh, but we the know. band gets credited for the songs, which, we, which usually we feel is very fair uh, because obviously it takes a whole band yeah, to make these yeah. songs. I mean, if it's, if it's the person, if it's the David Lowry band, you can assume that he's going to get songwriting credit but camper van beethoven yeah that everybody contributes everybody's and it does uh tend to reduce tensions friction okay. which shows they're they're still playing together now they so are. there you go yes they don't hate each other like poison which happens with a lot of bands when yeah uh... well they still play together <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> okay we don't know you say that but you know That's what i know true. there's uh there's stories about uh uh some bands who continue to play together that they still hate each other. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know what? I could, me and Barry have, yeah. have both played well, bands all our lives. Yeah, I know. Like, we could, uh, it happens. Your opinion. <laughs> Shit happens, man. Yeah. And, uh, Let me so tell I you something, Pandeo. Incredibly catchy opening track. Uh, it's so catchy. And this one, now, I, uh, the one thing about this whole record is it's not an easy record to find necessarily. No. It's not on Spotify. It's not. But this song, I think you could find if you look around. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's got to um, be. David Lowry is an anti-streaming uh, person, right? And that was he, he when he was on Facebook. He complained about that a lot. Uh, and so there's a few tracks from each of the records. Yeah, but are on Spotify. But you're gonna have to the, do some, or or actually you actually man up. You can have to man up and go and get it, which I definitely recommend because it's a wonderful record. It is, and I'm sure you can end. find a copy on you know eBay for two dollars, right. free shipping. But this, uh, I have a team of super catchy song that was all over college radio uh, when when it came out. And uh, like Barry said, you listen to it and it's going to get in your head like you did. I should say this record was reissued in 2014. And so there is a remastered reissue of it out there that uh, I, I'll dig up a label while we're in our break. Um, okay. But uh, probably sounds superior to the uh, early CD quality release from 1993 that's going to be uh i think that's when it came out on cd so oh okay okay that's the one yeah I that's have. true a lot of records got got like uh, uh downgrade yeah. when they went to cd <laughs> i've did. heard that yeah. yes so uh it but i have fatima is a song 
Uh, and it's about... Um, it's about the evil eye, sort of, like, so, like the Hamsa, the evil yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah, but is it, uh, I thought I have Fatima, isn't it the, uh, uh, isn't it the eye with the hand in it? Yes, yes, and it's like, uh, it's, it's something about the eye of uh, consciousness. Yes, of course, the third eye in the center of the forehead, that's right. right. Which seems to be sort of a theme that he comes back to a little uh, about yeah, yeah, uh, the, uh, a consciousness, alternate consciousness. I think that was a theme like in this, the band's uh, history. California, California, California guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they weren't teetotalers. They can't get away. Yeah, and uh, the Eye of Fatima, um, he's got two bottles of tequila, three cats and a broom. Uh, <laughs> it's about a Coke dealer in a in a um, hotel room. And um, and it's also features, I think, Camper Van Beethoven, their touring experience. So maybe this is some character they ran into, right? Probably, which he does uh, revisit well, because this is a band. This is a record after they they were touring band for years yes, and years, yes. and they definitely have touring stories in these songs. They so yeah, do. it's funny they kind of tie that in with the um, CD motel room, uh, like you said, drug dealer guy. Sure, but also uh, the Eye of Fatima, like the uh, the um, uh, third eye. Uh, which it, which, Although, you know what? I, I say, okay, so I've, I've conflated two things that aren't conflated. This, the drug <laughs> dealer is in his room, but they mention hotels or motels later on. So, yes, yes. So they're not necessarily, he's the drug, it's not necessarily a motel room the drug dealer's in. So I got to back up and say, I am, uh, uh, jump the gun on that. It's just a drug dealer in his room with his 18 year old girlfriend, okay. all dressed in black, um, got 15 nickels of cocaine tied up in a sack. So, uh, and they're, uh, I, <laughs> they're, they're here's a government experiment and we're driving like hell to give some cowboys some acid and to stay in motels. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's, uh, 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 out on the road somewhere in the West. Cause they say later on, no one ever conquered Wyoming from the left or from the right. So I guess you have to come into Wyoming from the south. Oh, right, right. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. Like I said, this is definitely a road warriors, road veterans. Yeah, so, in, yeah. in a van. Right. Uh, driving around. And, and then for some reason, they go into the second song is, uh, is instrumental. I have Fatima Part 2. two. And it, is, it, is it musically related to the first song because it doesn't really seem like it is. It, it, it doesn't. It's sort of a almost a Zeppelin-esque instrumental. It's got a riff. It's got a, it's a riffy yeah. instrumental. It's not heavy like Led Zeppelin, but it's got a it's got a, you know, sort of a, a that kind of riffage in it. Right. And, and it's, uh, yeah, and it's unusual. And I will say this, uh, so many, uh, so many bands get, get slagged immediately when they when they do, when they move to a major label and they do their they major talk label about release that, yeah. but this record is yeah, still they take record. a lot of chances yeah, they do. there's a lot of strange things they have three instrumentals on yeah, it so definitely yeah. this is not a band kowtowing to um no virgin they were on uh, virgin records and major label debut but definitely this is a band that's uh still true to their yeah. DIY uh there was some discussion by, um, I think Chris Peterson, the drummer, talked about in some uh, interviews from a few years ago about the recording of the record, about, hey, he would have, you know, nobody really asked him whether he wanted a gated snare sound. There are some, <laughs> oh, okay, even though okay. 
it is a natural sounding record. It, there are some eighties. It does. Yes, it does. It sounds uh, produced. That at yes, parts exactly. it does sound produced. It sounds really good, but it definitely, like you said, a little a little eighties, a little maybe a little too clean at some point. Right, some right. Point. It's a clean. It's a very clean record. And if you uh, back up one record and listen to the previous record, which was just Camper Van Beethoven, that was their third right, record. Right, right, right. It's got some. Uh, that's. Funkier, right, right. But still, the like I said, the whole DIY thing is still uh, is still in play, especially when you consider. All right, so they have that first song, the, the big single, then they have an instrumental, and then the third song is "O Death," which is a, a which traditional. I, which, which it's not traditional; it's a cover. Did you not see it? I did. No, I got it. But I thought it wasn't that a cover song because this is credited as being a traditional. Like when they say traditional, don't they mean a song that's been around forever, like House of the Rising Sun? And okay. I think uh, well, it is. I, the, 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 I think what? they're all covers. Uh, this is uh, I don't know because Kaleidoscope version. It's a. It's, a, it's someone told Camper that at some point when they were they said you guys sound like this band from the sixties called Kaleidoscope and they had never heard Kaleidoscope. Right. And you if you go and, and you can find Kaleidoscope on YouTube. There's a guy who's like ripped all their you know the stuff from vinyl and it sounds really great. They're uh and they do sound like Camper Van Beethoven. Right. And. Uh, so they did this song, Oh Death, and maybe their version is, I, I haven't, you know, I can look All right, at it. well, on the break, boy, boy, I'm, I'm going to investigate and make sure and see if Kaleidoscope actually wrote this song or if it is actually an older tradition. Okay, because Kaleidoscope's version is just the, the letter O, death. It's not O-H, death. Right. It's O, death. So, um, and it's a fairly, um, the cover is, the, I, Lowry's singing is actually better than the guy from Kaleidoscope singing on the song, I think. It's um, a great song for them. Like if it's perfect. It, if I didn't know it wasn't I no their song, idea. I would no, assume it was their I song. No, I was reading about the record. I was like, "What?" And you know what else this reminded me of, especially because when I when I thought that it was a traditional song, it reminded me a lot of Nirvana. You remember when Nirvana did their unplugged thing and they did um, Lead Belly? You did yeah, that yeah, Lead Belly? Sure. Where did you sleep last That's night? Not, yeah. This reminds me of that. It's, it's got, got that, that vibe. It's it got that vibe of a, of yeah. a band doing that. Uh, but this is great. It's and there's a lot of there's some blues old. 20th, early 20th century blues tropes in this uh, about uh, a lock their jaw so they can't talk, stiffen their legs so they can't walk, close their eyes so they can't see, the chill you feel, it comes from me. Oh, mama, mama, come to my bed. There's a cold rag on my head. My eyes are aching and I cannot see. I feel the sheet pulling over me. So there's like, there's a, there's a, uh, yeah, folk and also blues lyrics. You know this. You know my baby's on the cooling board. You know, you know the cooling board was what they would after you die. After you die, right? They would right, put right. you on the cooling board for your body to cool off before they could drain the blood out of you. Yep. And uh, <laughs> hey, we'll all see the cooling board. We will. <laughs> and uh, then the next song is much more up and yes, yeah, uh, and uh, deceptively. Intricate. It's an intricate, uh, very intricate song, and because uh, it sounds the beginning, it sounds uh, traditional. She but divines then, water, as we should say. She divines the, water. The fourth song and the chorus has a weird time signature thing. Very interesting it drum does. time signature, it which does. I have no idea what I'm, it is. Yeah, I haven't tried to count it out, but you're right. It does, um, and it's uh, almost a dream he's having of this. Um, when I lay down to sleep, I feel the world spin, um, and. Because when I lay down to sleep, I have the same dream of a world-famous actress in a pink 
limousine and she flies through the sky in that pink Cadillac with the boys in the press. While the boys in the press, we drink vodka and back. She tells us our fortune by crumbling leaves and she teaches us card tricks. The jack makes us weak. So, uh, uh, um, and then it ends. You gotta, you gotta okay. finish it. She she divines water by dancing a jig, a jig for, for the boys, boys of the, the press. press. She, she will wrestle a pig. <laughs> so I wonder. I couldn't find anything if he's talking nope. about a specific thing, or know. if it's more like a dream. Maybe he did have a dream about that. And maybe this says, "Yeah, you've got." Uh, um, it's uh, and the, but the, but the first, uh, but then the first two. You know, stanza set it up. How can I believe that everything in this world is going to be fine? How can I believe that everything in this world has its place in time? Um, and he, he uh, um, when I lay down to sleep, I feel the world spin slightly off axis. It's shaped like a fig. Yes, right. And when I lie next to you, I shiver and shake. You tell me you love me. I dream I'm awake. And then he goes uh, and he starts talking about the, uh, the dream of the... So it's a, it's a, um, yeah, it, it could very well just be a dream song. It makes pictures in your mind, that's yeah. for sure. This really song good, does. really good lyrics, uh, very well-written, uh, poetic, very uh, poetic lyrics. Yeah, very uh, concise and, um, um, un- uniquely David Lowry. Yeah, and concise, uh, you know, did you notice no song on this record is uh, longer than no, four no, minutes? it's like. They're all three, two-something or three-something. No song over four minutes. I, yeah. I really uh, appreciate that. I haven't songs, gone back through, but I, I would bet that that's uh, the, the the norm for there. Yeah, record. and there's but the thing is, there's a lot going on in the song. There's so much, but they still they they say what they want to say with the song. They get through it, and then and then yeah, that's we're it, not going to bore you by uh, repeating a bunch of stuff. They're and not then, the Minute Man, but right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and this song is a very cool thing that happens at the end because it's got almost that like mashup thing. Yeah, where, oh, it does. Uh, yeah, it's got a, a tape you know, backwards stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, and, like, out, out of nowhere, which is another thing you chose that they weren't afraid to mess around and th- throw curveballs, because it's yep. got that... Uh, right, because they're under the pressure of being, and they discuss that in the interviews, the pressure of being on a major label, and then, you know, Lowry blows it off and says, oh, it's just the same, but I gotta think that, you know, they spent 10 times, they said that 10 to 20 times the... Three thousand, two to three thousand dollars they would normally spend on making a record. Right, they spent so right, and there's going to be someone in the studio going, "Are you guys sure you want to do well, this?" I think the producer. Sure I mean, I think we got that? a producer, <laughs> and you know, but a, a good producer makes you think you decided something. Right, right. <laughs> and when he, that bright idea you had actually came from him <laughs> and or her, uh, um, so. Then the next song, back to it's darker and weirder. Devil song. Devil I just song. love. How could you not love a song called the Devil, Devil song? song. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. We had Halloween last week with the DKs and yes. uh, Devil song, and this is. Uh, um, but this is. Uh, it's not entirely straightforward. Right. But he's want... also again he's talking about because he mentions, hey, you want to start a fire, one that will never go out, burn, burn a hole through the, the center, center of, my, of mind. my mind, let all the all bad, bad thoughts, thoughts out. out. So um, he, he likes that imagery of the third eye, of like drilling into your yeah, sure. brain and getting at your consciousness. Well, I think that um, there's certain certain psychedelics might have that, you know, might yeah, have that yeah. effect. Uh, and, and there is, we, we didn't mention it, that's another thing that's in their music. There's some uh, psychedelia, oh, sure. in it, right? Yeah, for, for as real, well. yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely psych influences, you know. Any any band you mentioned, you know, that they might hear and go, ah, we didn't listen to them, but 
you know, 13 Floor Elevators, everybody, you know, a lot of people in the punk rock scene listened to that first 13 Floor Elevators record. Right. It was, it did have that great, uh, uh, that great sound and great, you know, Rocky Erickson vocals. So, um, and this, I, Again, such a great song, and it's short. It's less than two minutes. Yeah, less than yeah, two yeah. minutes, and right. it's a it's such a great song. And it's uh, this is not a love affair. This is something more complex. Hey, you want to start a war? I'm tired of this old one. And so let's see. This is 1988. What's going on in the world in 1988? Um, Cold War. When did the wall fall? Is that um, was that 90 90s? Or, I think 90 like the, the beginning. Well, it started kind of started in '86, right? And then <laughs> yeah, Barry are old, so it's yeah, really, it's but, all a blur to us. <laughs> but there was there was a lot of uh, uh, the Eastern Bloc was starting to fall apart. Yes, at that yes. time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, uh, everything I say is true, and I go around in circles. I'll burn down the house. There's a devil in the closet. So uh, uh, it, it's a. Uh, no telling. Uh, is he, and I wanted to. Is this? Are these songs? Um, he's self. He's not talking about. Remember, we DK's last week. We had every every song was about a a person, someone about a guy, someone just about yeah, this guy, guy that guy right yeah and this one um, these are more about uh, him or the people. And he's the people in his uh, orbit, and not right, necessarily. Right. And it's pointing. still he's the observer, and it's from the point of view. Because right, Bob Mould was another one yeah. of those. This is about he's pointing at you and going, "Yeah, you, you, <laughs> right. you, fuck you." <laughs> and where as David is talking in more um, generous terms, or more, um, he doesn't seem to be. He's not as it's not as aggro. No, no, not at as, all. Not at all. Right. <laughs> certainly not as. Jello Biafra. No. Um, <laughs> although they do a cover on one of their earlier albums of uh, I Love Her All the Time, the Sonic Youth song. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. And uh, there's also a cover of Inter Interstellar Overdrive back there in there. Uh, the Pink Floyd, yeah, went back there. Right. Right, but this is definitely a band that was more. They could only rock out. They're only going to rock out so much because it just. Yeah, it's, it's just, not. They're not their they're DNA. Not, it's not. It's not really their DNA. They're not as. Ag, they're not as aggro as. Uh, right, which is good. There's actually a song later on that he kind of he kind of references that and owns up to that. The fact that I'm sorry if if I, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to be so gloomy. You know, right. Yeah. Not, yeah. That's yeah. not my. That's not their deal. Right. That's not my deal. Which is great. You know, it's great. You know, own up to what you are and don't try to be something different. Something All right, like so uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, Rob is going to, what was it you are going to look up? I'm going to look up at that song, Oh, uh, oh Death. Oh, Death is actually a traditional now. All right. Whatever. We'll still be friends no matter we'll what. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Beach, a languid stew of overdressed drug smugglers, sun-baked senior citizens, Airsats Art Deco, and tonight, for one night only, the biggest cult band in the land, Camper Van Beethoven. The campers are taking a tour swing through the South to promote their fourth LP, the deliriously eclectic Our Beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart. And along the way, they're hoping to finally shake off the art fringe image they've built up over the course of their five-year career. Yeah, we're definitely this sort of cult band that works off of this word-of-mouth thing. Like, we play in some city, and they've already known, like, what songs we're doing this tour from talking to all their friends along the way. Yeah, people who get, like, live tapes of us. Yeah, those people in Tampa had live tapes of us from all over the place. It was really weird. 
The camper's music ranges from woozy fiddle tunes to fake Turkish dervish stomps to what sound like underwater instrumentals, but somehow it all winds up being rock and roll. Sure, it's an eclectic mix, they admit, but that's the way it should be. I just think um, a lot of... Okie dokie. We're back. That record got me high episode 12. Yes. That's Barry Stock. What am I supposed to do? I don't know, man. I pointed at you. You're supposed to say something. That's it. We're pros now. Are we? Uh, Camper Van Beethoven, our beloved revolutionary sweetheart from 1988. Their debut on Virgin Records. And a marvelous debut it was. I think they did, from a college radio perspective, they did really well with this record. Yes, and uh, I really, Barry was obviously much more... Um, you know what I forgot to mention? This record was suggested by Jerry, from our friend from Orlando, who works, he's like a, he works at a bike shop, he's been a avid cyclist. Oh, that's right, he's, I remember for, when he... For, he, for he, many uh, years, and uh, I gotta thank Jerry for this, because he, he said, you know, you guys should do some camper, and I said... Which record? And he goes, our beloved revolutionary singer. So here we are. Uh, okay, okay. It's for you, Jerry. It's <laughs> for you. And you can send, uh, you know, you could go ahead and you can send me that, that 300 bucks, right? So speaking, hey, of, uh, speaking of suggestions, uh, you can hit us up at trgmh33 at gmail.com or right on our Facebook page, that record got, got me high, high podcast. And uh, we're on Apple iTunes. Uh, uh, you can find us on the iTunes podcasts. And we're also on uh, Radio Public Podcast. And we also have been putting the episodes on YouTube so people that are podcast-phobic can sit and watch a spinning album <laughs> and the graphic of the episode that they're listening to and just our voices prattling away. And there are people that are podcast-phobic. We there found are. out because people think, yeah. oh, thank, thank you. you. Now thank I can you, listen to it. Right, because I don't want to, I don't, the podcast thing freaks me out. I'm yeah, like, and I, I don't think, I think Charlie Pickett couldn't figure out how to listen to the podcast, <laughs> so that would be good for him. Give Charlie a lot of options. <laughs> so I think Charlie got it figured out. Yes. All right, as much as I uh, I love being right, I was I was right. He was right <laughs> about yeah, the, yeah, it's the, traditional. Kaleidoscope oh, did not come up with those lyrics. It recorded uh, as early as the twenties, nineteen twenties. Yeah, the song "O oh Death." It's written both uh, the letter "O oh Death" and "O oh H Death," mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's been actually done by a bunch of different people. It was in the uh, oh, "Oh Brother Where Art Thou." It's done by Diamanda Gallas. Yeah, uh, Sinatra. <laughs> No, I'm pretty Sinatra sure. Sinatra would have done a banging version of it had he chose to do it. But no, he didn't. We, we don't have any evidence of that. Maybe Junior. Is Frank Sinatra Jr. still alive? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Someone call him. And this seems him. like Hank Williams Sr. could definitely. Yeah. Yes. Ah, yes, that's true. All right, so we're on to song number six, which is, uh, we're still on the first side, and song number six is called One of These Days. Yeah, and it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit sarcastic, uh, talking to someone who, uh, uh, who thinks they've, uh, um, who either thinks they've got to figure it all out, or they right, think right, they're right. going to have to figure it all out. Um, right. And, uh. Very, uh, very simple song. This one's got almost a reggae feel to it, which they, yep. uh, they sometimes go through a little, do, like, a little reggae. They do, but it's, 
it's more of the like Middle Eastern two beat than it is. It's reggae. Reggae. Oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right, definitely. It's a, it's not straight reggae. You're right. It's Middle Eastern and a country with like a little country player too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So there's a it's the two step, but it's you know uh, it's not. And there's no pretensions towards being rossified. No, no, no. This, this is a band. There's no white dreadlocks in the band. Right, right. But this is a band that drifts in and out of different musical genres yes, effortlessly sure. all the time. Yep. Which is great, which makes it uh, really But they have their universe of things that they pull from. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, Middle Eastern country, reggae, and then just sort of like classic, banging classic rock sounds. Right, right, uh, right. Um, with you know violin and multi instrumental, right. so uh, um, when you figure it, figure it all out. Put your lips against my ear. Tell me it all. Oh, tell me just a little, or tell me just a little bit. You know, you know, it's what I want to hear. Uh, um, and it's an affectionate song. And maybe this is a woman, right? You know, That's maybe what I somebody who yeah. is uh, right. maybe someone who's not he's not with anymore. Right. Who wasn't, you know... Maybe she, figured, maybe she figured things out and then yeah, decided, yeah, I'm going to get away from this. Yeah, later. I know some guys who the women figured things out. And right. uh, they uh, definitely they definitely were on the right track. Um, but uh, well, there's one... Uh, one of these days, going to get into it way on over our heads, and you'll find that there's no place to hide. So he's not, you know, he's not... Uh, uh, not exactly optimistic about the finding it all out thing. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. No place to hide. It sounds like a, that's kind of the Buddhist thing. You know, you just, uh, there's no, no, there's no place, to, no uh, respite from the existence. Um, but then the next song is also about a woman. Yes, this is one woman. I feel like this is a more specific. This is about a woman who yeah, either yeah. came into contact with a lot or new and uh, a turquoise jewelry, and I really like this song. And I remember, do you remember in the eighties? It was a time when turquoise and silver jewelry oh, yeah. was really popular. And a jumpsuit. <laughs> yes. Um, come down from your tree, come down from your treehouse condominium, and start driving around that station wagon with wood on the side. Uh, which is something that uh, you kids may not remember. But, uh, <laughs> well, if you see uh, National Lampoon's uh, yeah, vacation, they drive sure. around in that. A wood, uh, a wood, you know, it's fake wood, uh, fake roof right. paneling on the side of the stage. Because in the eighties, apparently, we all lost our minds. Well, but I think those were those. Are, that's a that's a seventies holdover. Actually, she's driving around in an old stage right, right, in the seventies. Right. Okay, that's true. And uh, take off that jumpsuit. You look like Grace Slade. That's a great line. Poor Grace, man. She gets more, I think she gets a lot of, I mean, she did sing that one song. It was terrible, though. We built this city on Yeah, Rock you Rock. know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's Starship. She was there probably wearing a jumpsuit been, in that video. Yeah, there should never have been, there was only an airplane. There was never a Starship. A, no. a Starship should never have been a, you know. Well, you know. It never got off the ground or, I guess it did. We all, we all suffered through it. Staying up all night and drinking that 7-Eleven coffee. Yeah, yeah. And take off your turquoise jewelry, shake your medicine rattle, and fill a sack with an herb. I think we can figure out what kind of herb that might be. Right, right. Uh, put on your fringe skirt. So I think this is a, a hippie 
woman. Yes, from, right, right. Older, right. uh, an, an older hippie woman. Which yes, harkens to back to that. Pa- Remember the pavement song? Yes, that I I, I thought about it actually because that I think was about a specific woman. Uh, Maybe it's the same woman wandering uh, around right. California. It could be for sure. She's like the the youth to all these right. indie California. Even Rock Lynch and Larry get in touch with us, give us a name, and we will. Yeah, let us know. If we will the same uh, woman. vector. He says a vector of the same hippie. Woman, uh, <laughs> and also, there's I, I know you're not a fan, but there is a Frank Zappa song from the mid 70s, uh, with Captain Deepart sings on called Deborah Cadabra, and it's about the same exact oh, okay. character. It's the same character, okay. Uh, so, uh, um, there's probably, I'm imagining there's probably a lot of these characters wandering around. There are, yeah, actually. Um, and there used to be in sort of South Florida, but I don't know that, I think they may have all, uh, they may have, uh, burned up to a Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and this song, I also want to mention, this song does have, uh, horns in it, some really yes, great, great horns in it. Yeah. Um, great mm-hmm. use of horns, and, uh, it's great. This is one of my favorite songs on the record, and it's the last song on side one. It is. And here, again, they start side two, which is something not something you would expect a band on Major Label to do. No. With an instrumental. Yes. This is the second instrumental, and it's called... Waka. Waka. Or Waka. Which, <laughs> also, there's a, a Zappa album called... You, you, you don't know. You no, know, I have no Zappa. idea. <laughs> Waka Jawaka. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> not sure if it plays into that. Um, but uh, The only thing I thought of Waka was that... Um, uh, Fozzie from uh, the Muppets used to go waka waka waka. Could be that. <laughs> Could be that. It comes from somewhere. So who knows? But it's a smoking instrumental. Song. It is, yeah. And it's waka is also the sound of like when you have a guitar with a wah wah pedal. Yes. And you yes, and you right. play it with no. You sort of mute the strings. He goes. Right. And so, but I don't think there's a guitar with a wah wah. I don't think so. No. <laughs> Maybe it started off that way, and you're like, turn that fucking wah wah pedal off. <laughs> Nobody uses. Does anyone use Wawa Pet anymore? Or is it just so? There will always be. I'm sure some. There are kids buying Wawa. Oh, anyone we know? Does Ross have a Wawa? I don't think so. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. We He's got 500 one. pedals, but he doesn't have a Wawa. We should just take all his pedals and give him a Wawa. <laughs> but no distortion pedals, so he has to play it clean. So it's just really terrible. He would do it, but it would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we digress. Yes, we do. Uh, all right, so we got the instrumental. This is a great instrumental. It and is. And then uh, we go into the number The reason nine. we're not going to do any jazz records is because it's very difficult to talk about. Oh, could you imagine that? How are you going to talk about, right, talking about music? It's like talking about just instrumentals. That's my nightmare. Right. That's, that's my nightmare podcast. <laughs> jazz? Rob is not a jazz fan. I am, so we do differ in that respect. Yes. Uh, but uh, talking about an instrumental record is so difficult. Oh, the guitars go, they go up and down, and then there's... Could you some... imagine? <laughs> yeah, no, that would we be... should see if it's, it's been tried, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll get three listens. And, then we'll <laughs> and one of them will be you. Change your mind. Number nine, change your mind. Another. This is another perfect little three-minute song. Uh, this song reminded me like a Tom Waits, like it could be a, a, a Tom Waits song. Yes, in fact, I think I thought the same thing about that. Was there was a Tom Waits kind of vibe in yes, this? Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, um, put my head down on the table, rub two coins together in my pocket. Well, yeah, that's a Tom Waits. Yep, feel right there. <laughs> uh, uh, change your mind. You can change your mind. I'll be glad to let you, even if you walk away. So, the moon may cross from horizon to horizon. 
Uh, this is a really interesting song because it's there's no real verse, chorus, or nope. anything. It's just a, a it's a thing. It happens. A comes thing. In. Yeah, it's got the musical intro, which is yeah. really nice, and then it's got this set of words, which is like a little, almost like a a little poem, like an eight yep. line poem or something, yeah, sure. and then the musical outro, and then that's it. It's over. Eight line poem harkens back to. Episode two. Episode two, Hunky Dory, David Bowie. And no, actually, no, it was a three. Oh, episode three. Yeah, it was three. three it was because three, that was yes. your second choice. <laughs> it was, was like your second album that we chose. Right, and I wonder, I didn't count, I wonder how many lines this is. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve lines. Twelve line poem. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, uh, yeah, but I, I, I really like that. That was so uh, non-traditional. Like I said, it's not like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's just this. Uh, just a nice little, um, a nice little song constructed unusually. And the next song is has some very odd references. Yeah, this song I will tell you I could not I could not um, dig I, I could not figure this song out. No, it's called My Path Belated. Right. Oh, I was hoping you did, man. No. This <laughs> is the song's belated. a little bit the most the most mysterious song on right. the record. It's also probably the most. Up tempo song on the record. It is. It's an up tempo little rocker, but it seems very specific about something, but I like a little slice of life, but I can't figure it out. It's almost like he read a, a novel and he's writing something about this novel that happened, but he's not giving you any clues that, like, unless you know, and maybe it's Nabokov. I don't know. It's right. there's, there's an Eastern European uh, aspect to it. Um, I hope he has a friend upon the Politburo. His eyebrows grow together. Well, then we got, you know, <laughs> that's definitely the Russian guy with the, he's got the big hair and the eyebrows, right. the gigantic eyebrows that grow together. Um, right, so that, that's good. You're right, though. Maybe it is something he read. that He just read and he used his imagination and he wrote this little thing, but it's so, it's so, like, specific and deep that there's no way you decode it unless he actually explained to you, oh, what's about this? I, I, I did not find any such explanation. I could have married others, says the actress in a pornographic film. Oh, mother, oh, mother of mine, I'm not saying this love is wrong, just that I, I get it right. And if you, oh, mother, oh, mother of mine, have fallen in love with a man who imports cola, that would be fine. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, so that is, I, I don't think he just came up with that out of nowhere. I think that's something. I don't think so either. Mother's plucking eyebrows seem to grow while she is fast asleep. There are explanations that seem to matter less and less each passing day. So uh, maybe he's given us a clue there um, that this is, you know. Yeah, it, it's good. It's it's like a little interesting short story that goes totally over your head. That you it think. is. <laughs> and I want to say this is n- not my favorite song on the record. Yeah, no, me neither. Uh, it seems to sort of just uh, uh, the vibe is not the vibe is a little bit off from the rest of the yeah, record. Yeah, detached, almost it's like a, a little deta- detached. It yeah. is a little detached it from is. the record. And then you get right back into Camperland with Never Go Back. Oh, with Never Go Back, which this song, and this again has that that reggae country, does, Middle does, Eastern does, hybrid does, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a two-step, you know. Right. Um, and, and this song, he's reminiscing. <laughs> They're kind of reminiscing about their And you know what he's past. talking about. I do know exactly what he's talking yeah. about because as soon as I saw that line, Never Gonna Go Back to the Rat, play another Mafia show again. Now, I found, did you find, I found exactly what they're referencing here. Well, I, I remember just from fanzines back in the day, 
people talking about Planet of the Rat and how it was owned by I the played, mob. Yes, I played the rat. I played the rat scaler both with, uh, I had a band up in Boston in the 80s called Inside Outburst. And we played at the Rat a couple times. And then when I was in the band here called The Holy Terrors, we toured, we went and played the Rat again. So I have played there. But this song, he says, never going to go back to the Rat, play another Mafia show again. Okay. I did a little digging and I found uh, Jonathan Siegel answered. Uh, there was a, a message board uh, about the Rat because the Rat's closed down now. The Rat's yeah, gone. The Rat's right. closed. But it was basically about what the was Rat. This? What was the club that uh, John Stewart worked, was the bouncer for? Was it the Rat? The uh, Lansdowne no? on Lansdowne Street, maybe. I mean, I don't know. The, it's the, been there the John, forever. You know, John Stewart, the 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 Wait, comic. Yes, how is John Stewart a bouncer for anyone? He's like four foot tall. John Stewart worked <laughs> at a hardcore club. Worked at a club as a bouncer. Which, I did not know that. Or the doorman or something at uh, which is crazy. You go really? Yes. Said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm saying no, that right he now. He did. Weird. Weird thing. Okay. Well. All right, so I found this message board about the Rapscaller, and I noticed uh, there was a comment by uh, Jonathan Siegel. I, well, I saw uh, JS, and I looked yeah. it up, and it's Jonathan Siegel because he mentioned that. Uh, and he said in, in the message board, uh, a camper van at Beethoven opened for the DBs there. Who, ah. Who were booked who were booked by our same agency, Venture yeah, Booking from, from New York. Carolina, yeah. Okay, so, but they both had the same booking agency. So, right. Camperman made over in the DBs. He said, several people from the agency were there for a sold-out show. After our set, while the DBs were playing, I went up to get paid. Up, uh, wrong, what <laughs> mistake number he one. Said, oh, you thought you were going to get paid. This is poor Jonathan Siegel, the oh, multi-experience man. He said, this was the scene upstairs. The club manager was a big dude in a suit with a mustache and slick back black hair. Oh, sitting yeah. at a table with goons on oh, either side, no. like a mafioso hey, with his bodyguard. about it. Hey. I approached and sat down and said, I'm from Camper. I, I'd like to get our fee. He pulled out his voice box vibrator. He had like a voice box thing oh, no. and proceeded to speak like a robot. Let's see. You had 125 people on the guest list, so you're not going to get your guarantee. I said, what the hell? We don't even know 100 people in Boston. He said, there's no way. He said, our booking agency people are even here. I can go get them. This is what he told them. He looked at, when he told them that, he said, he looked at me and chuckled through his voice box. <laughs> you, you have a lot to learn about the music business. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically what I heard or I remember reading about yes, the rap. Yes. Everybody went to the rap was like, oh, well, we got screwed over. <laughs> we didn't get any money. And so right. I'm sure any of you Boston uh, musicians listening to this, feel free to chime in or send yeah. us a, uh, <laughs> And it's a shame because it was a really great place to play. It was like an underground, uh, you had to go downstairs to go to it. It was an underground uh, bar. It was a really cool club cool vibe but uh, i had no idea believe me i i'm sure when we pay i don't even think we worried about getting paid so <laughs> right so there was not an issue it was not an issue with any of my bands but, so we got um, as far as the second line never going back to the rat uh play another mafia show again what about the rest of this song play another uh oh yeah for a man who's had more feet kicked in his face than i can begin to count uh and then he sort of changes gears he wants you to he doesn't want to get into uh Bad habits or bad thinking habits. Right, right, right. Yeah, because um, he's like, this is all in his past. And he's like, he doesn't want to go back yeah. into, uh, yeah. yeah. Into that specifically was. triggered a lot of thoughts, the first couple of lines. Right, right, right. Uh, um, um, and if you see me sitting around thinking the same old thoughts over and over again or going back to old ways I've long ago abandoned, 
please tell me, never go back. Um, Which is funny. It's kind of ironic when you think about it because what did they do? They reformed and now they're, yeah, sure. they're touring again. They're out there. But I well, they put out some records. You know, they put out they yeah, put yeah. out records that are are newer. Uh, uh, they, they haven't just gone out, and uh, they're still a vibrant live band. Um, they still. I'd go see them. They came. Yeah. They came here, which I don't think they come to South Florida. I, Nobody <laughs> comes to South Florida. What's wrong with you? Unless right. somebody, somebody wants a vacation. That's what it is. True. Uh, your friend Russell was was with a famous jazz musician last week or a couple of weeks ago who was. So you yeah, say, I never somewhere. heard of the guy. Because uh, how much do you like jazz? Ornette Coleman's bass player was down here playing and was, you know, Russ, our friend Russell was driving around and hanging around with him. And I said, he, I said, uh, he, he likes, you know, he, he likes you, Russell, but he really likes South Florida. People come down here and, you know, the sun and the, uh, yeah, the beaches, vibe, the yeah. beaches, and it's like, oh, the hell am I doing living in New York? <laughs> right. Right. Especially as you get older in life. You've right. noticed a lot of people were tired of Florida. Right. Because then when you come down, you realize nothing's going on down here. Not really, no. Not much. All right. So that's a, that's a great song. And then we go into The Fool, which is another instrumental. That's right. They're very brave. Well, they always have a lot of instrumentals on their record, but to put it on your major On your you major know, label, three instrumentals. It's the third one, The Fool. And well, I would say... Maybe that's why... I have the team of part two. Although they do when they play it live, they still I've got recent some recent recording. Oh, they they still do they the part still two. Part one to part two. One. Nice. So okay. maybe the I have the team of part two. They played it as like, well, it's just a it's you know. So there's only only two instrumentals on the record. Right. One. Is the second <laughs> part, a second uh, part of I have the team. Right. You know, it's an integral, but it is uh, separate. This one kind of doesn't do as much for me. It's kind of. Uh, a fillerish to me, a it little, a, a sure. little fillerish. I mean, yeah. it's good, it's fine because they have all a such lot great of instrumentals players. in their in their repertoire, right. That are of this ilk, the Middle Easternish <laughs> instrumental. And uh, no one, just to just to confirm, no one in the band is Middle Eastern, right? Nope, and no, and they said they didn't even. They just did we talk about it before the show that they just came upon it. You they know, said they didn't even they study did. Middle Eastern music. Right. They just like play this Middle Eastern sound of stuff and like, hey, right. give it a Middle Eastern sound of name, and what do you got? Suddenly, you got a Middle Eastern song. The next song, my favorite song on the record. I knew this would be your favorite song on the record because of the subject matter. Yeah. It really is awesome. It Tanya, is. Tanya, and why is it called Tanya, man? It's uh, Tanya was the nickname given to Patty Hearst when she was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army <laughs> and uh, forced or not, depending on how, your point of view, right. to join their organization and then rob banks with them. Yes. Uh, they were a left-wing communist uh, uh, um, radical group in the uh, 70s. Right. So and this is the first time I ever heard the term uh, Stockholm Syndrome. So then right. kind so, of like what it was. Right. Uh, what it, it was. was about. I, I think it probably was. Look, she was, she was, you know, she was... Subjected to violence physically and mentally. Right. And so. But it just seemed like, it seemed like kind of quick how she went from being this heiress. I don't think it takes that long because <laughs> she was, you know, when they, someone takes you out of your, especially if they take you out of your, out of your environment, if you're frightened, if you're underfed, and if they, sleep deprivation is a huge thing. Right. If they keep you awake, basically, if you keep people awake, you can get them to do anything. Oh, if, you if I miss my sleep, I'll probably run around with a machine gun too. Yeah. Right, yeah. We're not going to find that <laughs> I get that very out. grumpy. We're not going to either A, do that or give you access to a machine gun, just so we're clear. No one worry, Rob does not have no access to an automatic weapon. I do weapons. not. I do not. 
<laughs> and uh, he can't afford them either. So we're cool. Everything's great, people. No, don't uh, call. No, no need to call the authorities. But uh, the words of this song are, are great. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> cat, sudden cat visitor. Um, <laughs> he looked, he looked oh, like he my beloved Tanya. How I long to see your face photographed in 15-second intervals in a bank in San Leandro. That was how we saw Patty Smith on the news because that's how they knew she Patty was. Hearst, Patty, Patty Hearst, Smith. <laughs> Patty, Patty not Patty Smith. Patty Smith was recording her. Uh... She was, yeah, she was in New York living with Tom Verlaine. Yeah. They were living and getting pubic lice. I'm not kidding. There's stories about picking the pubic lice off themselves. And... Patty Hearst. Yes, that's how we saw her. And uh, and and uh, on the news with the, right. with the machine gun in the lobby of the uh, holding people at gunpoint. Right, right. It was, and I remember with a cap. That, with, with yeah. a, with if a, you're of a certain age, you remember you know. those oh, pictures. Yeah. You remember seeing that Roger yes. Mudd coming on this ABC Evening <laughs> News and saying, "Patty Hearst spotted today uh, a polar of you Cinque with a seven-headed dragon." Okay, there is a photo of her. Holding the machine gun in front of a tapestry of a seven-headed dragon. I'll oh, really? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. I'm not sure what the Cinque, what the five has to do with it. Uh, in a house in Daly City, I'm guessing that's where the photo was taken. Right. Um, don't be sad, my beloved Tanya. They say <laughs> your father never liked Stephen Weed anyway. Hired a detective to follow him around. Stephen Weed was her boyfriend at the time who, when she was kidnapped. Right. And he had nothing to do with her kidnapping or nothing to do uh, uh, with, you know, uh, uh, her, her, what happened. Right. But her, you know, her father hired, uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst hired a uh, detective to follow Stephen Weed around right. to yeah. see what, what, you know, yeah. if he was involved. Um, oh, my beloved revolutionary sweetheart, I can see your newsprint face turn yellow in the gutter. Makes me sad. And, um, and it's almost, this song to me was almost like the beginning of tabloid TV and tabloid yeah, and, sure. and, and stories right. like exactly. that. And he they talks say about it at that. the end, he says, he does. we carry your gun deeper than our hearts for no better reason than our lives have no meaning. <laughs> and we want, and we want to be on television. No vision. And right. that's like today, that's today. Everyone just wants to be on television. He, he's right. And it was uh, John Waters who... Didn't uh Oh yeah, that's right. How what's the John Waters tie in with this? I he, remember that. He thought Patty Hearst was great and he had her in uh he did. she and not in hairspray, she was in the one after hairspray. She was in his movies. Yes, she and, was, uh, that's right. He was, you know, he's one of those guys that friend to the outcast. Yes, you know, yes, that, matter, right. You know. He had uh, a Tracy Lords and somebody. Oh yeah, movies. sure, yeah. Yeah, he you loved know, that. He thinks you're great because of that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, All right, and then we go into the final song. Right. Life, Life is, is grand, grand. Which it ends on this beautiful high note. It is. It is a beautiful high note. And this is another song that's got just short lyrics. It's just got one little section yes. of lyrics. Right. I thought almost I like actually looked at the end. I was like, did I leave some off? No, that's the whole song. It's almost like a haiku of it a is. song. Yeah. But it's so good because it's about how optimism and positivity is often frowned upon as not being cool. Right. It's not being yeah. cool. And he's like, you know, screw it. It's like, uh, yeah, you, I'm going to This sit. is not a DK song. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's really great. It's a, it's a really nice song. In the way With those of that. you who have appointed yourselves to expect us to say something darker and love is real, and though I realize this is not a deep observation, to those of you who find it necessary to conceal love or obscure it, 
as is the fashion. So, right. See, it's so it's so fashionable to be cynical about everything. Is. Well, and uh, I think David Lowry is a cranky, cantankerous character. Right. He writes about cranky, cantankerous characters, and I think he is somewhat of a cranky, uh, uh, obstinate, maybe. Or um, uh, the word I'm looking for is um, he's not going to pick a side. And he's going to relentlessly right. be... Uh, in in life, in real life, he's like that. I believe so, but, yeah, Right, yeah. but in his songs, he, he's not afraid to sort of show a softer side right. and as yes. he's doing here with this. He he's is. just saying, yeah. you know what, life's, life's grand. I, I'm going to say that life is grand and that love is real and uh, I don't care and if it sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck you. Exactly. Right. So it's a great record and it's um It really is great. I I recommend everyone like I said it's it's not something you can just going to hop on Spotify and get. So you should go out and buy maybe you I should think, go yeah, maybe to, on Amazon you can probably buy download you probably download it. Buy download but if you're local if you're anywhere near Miami you can go to our uh, one of our favorite record stores. That's right. Sweat, Sweat Records. Records which we got to get a poster on. Right, right. Who's outstanding. <laughs> Possibly going to sponsor us if we ever get around to giving them a yeah. uh, putting a poster but in there. Go to Sweat Records and uh, God knows if they even have it, but they will get. You it could call. They, don't they have, have a you know they have a, a landline. I think you could call do. them. I think they do. And uh, the rotary phone that pick it up. <laughs> hello, hello. Is anyone there? All right. So this was a this was a really great record. It uh, was, and thank you, Jerry, again for suggesting it. And next week, I you know I'm saying me and Barry. Uh, uh, both have girls. We both have daughters. We yeah. consider ourselves enlightened people. I thought, you know what? <laughs> no, although no one else does. <laughs> Twelve episodes. We haven't done woman like any no. major woman. The only girl was uh, Kim Gordon. In, right, uh, you Youth. know, in Sonic right. Youth. But I said, you know what? And Angela Bowie in the background of. Uh, right. Of, right. <laughs> so I'm. We're going to do one of the most badass women in rock and roll. Oh, the, yeah, so badass that she's. <laughs> Frightening. She is frightening, but it's awesome. A frightening uh, vegan. Fr- a frightening right. vegan. I'm talking about Pretenders. We're going to do the Pretenders first record, just called Pretenders. Yeah. Chrissy Hind, of course, her band, Pretenders. Produced uh, by Nick Lowe. I, only, uh, I think just uh, one song. Only one song. Uh, Stop Me Sobbing was Stop pretty frightening. Chris Fetting, maybe. Yeah, but we'll dig into it. It's a great record. I mean, yeah. once you when you revisit it, you'll say, "Oh my god!" Oh yeah, I don't have to revisit record. it because I listen to it all the time. <laughs> it's really great. Uh, so we're gonna show the females some love. We're gonna do Pretenders uh, next week, and uh, that's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba, episode twelve. In the can. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>